Hi and good afternoon to our second Reboot uh, live stream, uh, our second Reboot interview. Uh, today we have John Bunsell here. Um, he is um, the founder and the leading light behind uh, Simpol, um, a campaign and organization that is advocating for sim simultaneous policy around the world. Uh, what exactly that means, uh, John will tell us in a few minutes. Um, but let me say just a little bit about John. John is a businessman. He's based in the UK and um, he uh, founded Simple in 2000 and has since developed this into an impressive machine around the world with um, over 100 countries involved um, and um, essentially providing a tool for, um, for governments, for politicians, but also most importantly for citizens uh, to push global agendas locally. Now, I can see now that John has come into the waiting room. I will invite him in and say hello to him. Okay, John, hello. How are you doing? Are you coming on board? There you are. Good afternoon, John. Hi. I just said Good a afternoon. few words about you. Uh, and um, that you have founded Simpol in 2000 and um, that you have since built this into an international operation uh, with supporters around the world, um, that you're providing a quite a simple tool uh, for politicians and citizens alike to push and to move forward global agendas that very often get gridlocked because of competing interests. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, you know, where you're coming from, how you got to uh, develop this idea and well, where you are now. Um, yeah, um, well, the, the idea came to me back in 1998, um, just where I mean, my, my background is in international business. Um, I've uh, just recently retired from a, a company that trades in, in polyester fibers for um, bedding and various other applications. And um, towards the end of 1998, I was just having a, uh, <clears throat> a Sunday lunch with my family and my kids. And my mum was there. My, my kids were talking about climate change because they were covering it at school. And at the end of the meal, my, my mum, bless her, turned around to me and said, well, John, what would you do about climate change? <laughs> nice question. Um, <clears throat> but I, it, I just had this sort of light bulb uh, insight at that, but in that moment of challenge. Uh, and I think it, it's my business background that, that led me, I just responded, it would have to happen simultaneously. And when you say it has to happen simultaneously, what exactly has to happen simultaneously? Well, the, the implementation of actions to stop climate change or to solve other global problems needs to be implemented by all or sufficient nations simultaneously. Why, why, why is that? Why is that? Why? Because if any nation, because in a globalized economy where capital moves at the click of a computer mouse uh, from one side of the world to the other in a couple of microseconds, if, um, if one country moves ahead, to uh, cut its emissions. And to do that, it would have to raise taxes on its businesses. It would have to increase environmental regulations. But if that country moves first, then its businesses will become uncompetitive because they'll have to higher costs than their competitors elsewhere. And that will just cause those jobs or those companies to move elsewhere. So you have this vicious circle going on where nobody wants to move first. 
And that is, that is exactly why you get the problem we have with the COP26 and the, you know, these continual repeated international summits where um, uh, nothing really happens or, or it's, it's only, there's only insufficient action. You, you, so have, you, have, you have sort of termed, uh, 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 you've created this term for this. You talk about destructive global competition, I believe. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we call it DGC, destructive global competition, which is really just this vicious circle where no, no nation wants to move first for fear of harming its economy or harming its, in the case of nuclear weapons, harming its, its military competitiveness, if you like. But as, um, as a businessman, you would probably say that competition in itself is a good thing, wouldn't you? Well, th this is the point. I think this is what this is. This is the brainwashing. Competition and cooperation can be either uh, a negative or positive. It can be either destructive or constructive. So you can have negative, or you can have destructive cooperation. So, for example, if if uh, competitors in a particular industry get together in a cafe in, in Zurich to uh, secretly agree a, an increase in prices, that's destructive cooperation. Okay, so, in fact, so competition, competition or cooperation can be, uh, they need each other. Um, sporting competition, like a game of tennis, you have the competition, between have the cooperation of the rules and the umpires and the, the line judges and Hawkeye. That's the cooperative framework that keeps the competition. You don't have the cooperation, the competition soon becomes destructive. And, and that's the problem we have in the, in, the, in the global economy today. We have a globalized economy, Co corporations and companies and uh, international crime syndicates and carbon emissions can move globally uh, and freely. But governance, the cooperation, doesn't exist because we have 200-odd nations stable competition dynamic. And that's exactly why we need simultaneous implementation to build that cooperative global framework within which the global economy can once again become constructive, uh, sustainable, uh, and so forth, and, and reasonably. Okay, so you started you started from a quite a simple idea, but you're basically so, saying, well, uh, you know, we have to, in a way, move forward in concert because if well, if, if one player moves on. first he will incur additional costs under a more stringent regulatory framework and that kind of prevents him uh, from doing so. But if they would all move at the same time, they would all incur the same constraints and so competition would be fair again. Now, this is a, yeah. this is a brilliant idea and you started with this idea, what, uh, nearly 20 years ago, I, I, I believe. In fact, over That's 20 right. years ago. Um, and it just shows, you know, you have a great idea and it takes an, an awful long time to go from a very simple idea to what could be quite a complex Im implementation. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you have uh, that you have covered um, and, yeah. and also the different components that make up the simple kind of infrastructure? Yeah, well, in terms of the journey, um, uh, Nico, the, my 
first impulse when I when I when I had this idea was it was that it was potentially tremendously powerful and important. But I thought my first thought was, well, somebody else must have thought of this before. And so I did a lot of reading and research, and I found that actually uh, nobody had thought of this before. <laughs> my next thought was, well, I'm a businessman. I don't know about campaigns and politics. I know what, I'll go and talk to Greenpeace and Friends of the Earth and the, the big non-governmental, you know, the big NGOs. Um, uh, and, uh, but, but to my disappointment, they just didn't get it. They didn't really, I, don't, I think it's because they don't really understand the way the global economy works. They don't understand the, the constraints, the competitive constraints that politicians and, and businesses for that matter too are under. So I think they tend to think, oh, well, you know, if so-and-so is in power, they have the power to solve climate change. But that's just, you know, they don't because no country can ignore what every other country is doing. And, and you know, that, that, that so uh, I had to really start the thing from myself from scratch. And it also took time to really develop the idea into a, a workable campaign. Uh, uh, which, you know, which is now on, on, on our website, simpol.org, <clears throat> and we have various national websites as well. So, uh, and, but I mean, the other barrier to check to, to the idea being taken up, and I think probably the biggest barrier, Nico. Let's for a moment, let's just is, stick just... Uh, well, is, is consciousness. Yeah, let's yeah. just stick with this first barrier for a moment, because I found this fascinating. Uh, if, if you have an idea, you would imagine that NGOs who are there to make the world a better place, would, would jump at it. And, and your experience was, was that, that they didn't. Um, that the business model, if you, you know, for the lack of a better word, was alien to them. They, they operate on a different, on a different basis. Um, essentially, the very core of what you kind of, I believe what you're proposing is, is that you're coming from a business perspective. So you're, you're essentially, you're fundamentally not anti-business. But what you yeah. are saying is, is you know, if you apply business methodology, competitive thinking uh, to a kind of a political environment, then we instantly see the kind of thoughts that both business leaders and politicians will have when they have to contemplate a first move. Uh, so yeah. you're coming to it from a purely from a sort of a problem solving collaborative perspective rather than sort of saying, well, you know, you know, we are the good guys, we want the good world, and other people should kind of be a bit more like us. Uh, isn't yeah. that, isn't that, how do you, how would you, how do you, yeah, no, that, that's, that's that? absolutely right. Because I think when you understand the, the way the global economy works and how powerful uh, the, um, you know, the, the movements of global capital and investment are, you really, and what effect they have on on uh, jobs and investment in, in this or that country. You realize how, you know, it's not that politicians have power, politicians are in a straitjacket, you know? So what you realize is that it's not that politicians don't want to solve climate change and other global problems, it's that they can't. You know, destructive global competition has them locked in. So that's not to say that they can't make any move, but that, you know, the, the moves they can make are, or the, 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 you know, are incremental, but we all know that we need really big moves and, and that you will only get through simultaneous implementation in my view, whereby everybody knows 
um, that, that everybody is moving together. <clears throat> um, but that's a completely different, uh, as you say, it's a completely different mindset to the, to the NGOs who don't understand about the competitive environment. And therefore they just think if we just shout loud enough and if we just protest enough, the government will do what we want. And, and, and the reality is it, 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 the governments can't. And that indeed is why over the last 30, 40 years, when you're older, as old as we are, Nico, or me at least. <laughs> you Speak seen, for yourself. <laughs> you, yeah, when you've, I'm 63, 64 now. You've seen, uh, you know, the, the, the Battle of Seattle. You've seen the protests against the World Trade Organization. You've seen Occupy. You've seen, you know, you've seen it all. And the, the global justice movement has really made, I won't say zero impact, but zero significant impact on, on things. You know, we just keep on going on with these ridiculous protests, blaming and shaming, and it's just not getting to the real nub of the issue, which is destructive global competition. Well, I think there is a lot, like I think a lot of the blaming and shaming, to be fair, has to do with the sense of frustration of, you know, not moving. So, so I think what you are saying is, is actually we can move beyond blaming and shaming and we can use a methodology that allows us to implement sort of key changes. So the first kind of big hurdle on your journey you encountered was the sort of the resistance or the kind of the lack of buy-in uh, from NGOs. So what did you do next? So then we, we've started the campaign ourselves. Uh, and really, we're, we're still in a position where the very few people who do see things the way we see them will join us. Uh, and uh, we are just building, you know, slowly um, with different national coordinators in different countries. Uh, but it's a very informal um, setup. And it's really all word of mouth and using, uh, you know, electronic, uh, you know, internet and, and all the rest and social media. So we, we are just trying to get our message across. But I think what, 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 what also the NGOs don't realize is that Simpol is incredibly politically powerful. Because when you realize that politicians are stuck and that your vote has become you know, fairly meaningless, at least as, as, as far as global issues are concerned. You can you re, you re release yourself from this idea that politicians have power, and you realize that they don't have power. So you can have a little fun with your vote. <laughs> so instead of saying, I will vote for this party or that party, Labour or Conservative or Democrat or Republican, we citizens can turn around and say, do you know what, Mr. Politician, Mrs. Politician, I will give strong preference to any politician or party within reason that signs the pledge to implement the simultaneous policy. And in that way, we, we are turning things around 180 degrees and we're bringing all the existing politicians and parties into really stiff competition with each other. And, and as you know, Nika, many parliamentary seats and even entire elections these days are being won and lost on actually very fine margins. So if you have this growing block of vote, simple supporters who are prepared to vote for any politician or party within reason that signs up to Simpol, then, um, or, or at least to, 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 to make that uh, politicians aware that, of that, then you, know, you bring them into competition. And we have found on many occasions, uh, on, in many elections that particularly in those marginal seats, 
if we get one candidate to sign up, then the next one signs up, then the next one, then the next one. And so we have all the competing candidates have signed the simple pledge. So whoever wins the seat, we have another member of parliament committed to implementing simple alongside. So, so let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. So, so, so say, say there was a specific policy um, to do with, for example, meeting certain targets, certain climate targets, but very tangible so that you say, you know, uh, we commit to reducing CO2 emissions by the year 2025 to keep it really short term by, let's say, 15 or whatever percent, just to put a number to it. Um, you would then take that policy, which would be very concrete, very specific, and you would ask politicians around the world or even political parties around the world to sign up to that pledge. Is that how it no, works? No. No, no, that's, I'm glad you've asked me that, Nico. No, no, that's not how it works, because what we're talking about is, is, is our policies that would have to be implemented eventually simultaneously by all or sufficient nations. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen uh, soon. It, it, you know, it's, it's a longer-term objective, and I know time is short, but we need that, that cooperation, and, and we're not getting it now. That's why things are not happening now. So we don't have, Simpol does not consist of any specific policies at the moment. It is really just a pledge in principle that politicians uh, and that, that, that citizens and politicians sign up in principle to it. And then the negotiations on the precise policies will happen nearer the end of the process, right? Because to actually say, you know, to, say, to, to determine the policies now, that might then only get implemented in five years or 10 years time would be crazy for two reasons. One is the world's changing all the time. So we, it doesn't make sense to actually define specific policies today, which might be inappropriate tomorrow or in, in 10 years time. And secondly, if you, simple is democratic. You know, if we, def, if we define policies now, uh, you know, then people don't have a say. You're just asking them to sign up to something that they have no say over. So this, it's a much more um, organic process and a much more democratic process. Um, so can and, you just so go a little bit into this? So what, what, yeah. what you're sort of saying is, so as a first stage, uh, you're asking politicians, or indeed it's not just you, but anybody can ask politicians, every citizen, everybody can ask politicians to sign up to the simple principles. Yes. Uh, once people sign up to the simple principles, they're kind of committing themselves to a process of negotiating a shared policy objective. And yes. it's in that process that they're setting the targets, that they're kind of agreeing on, on, on a roadmap. And but they're doing this, you know, as a kind of as a kind of consensus building exercise. Um, exactly. And the end point of this would be then a policy that all the signatories to that policy have assigned up to and will then Absolutely. come the next election vote on? Uh, well, it, yes, it, it, it would. Yeah, no, so that's right. But it's, it's when, 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 as a citizen, when you sign up to Simpol, you're really telling politicians that I'm going to give preference to political politicians or political parties that have joined the Simpol process by signing the pledge. Uh, and because of that voting, that that voting power, that's how we're getting, we're driving politicians to sign up. Yeah. So the citizens in democratic countries have 
a strong voting power. But that power also gives them or will give them the opportunity to determine democratically what the policy content of Simpol should be. The Simpol doesn't leave the policy content up to politicians. We citizens can strongly guide that because of the power of our votes used using the Simpol methodology. Right? Now, from a politician, uh, they've got nothing to lose because they know that Simpol will only get implemented if and when all the sufficient nations are on board. And until that time, there's no conflict between supporting Simpol and implementing their competitiveness-oriented policies that they have now. So for them, it's a win-win. Uh, Can you give also, me a concrete example? Can you give me a concrete example of how this process plays out in the real world? Well, I mean, I, I suppose in a sense, you could say that if you look at almost any international treaty, um, it follows a similar sort of process. There's a need. The parties then sort of talk about, well, we have this need. Let's sit down and have a negotiation. Okay, but let me stop here. And then so if there's a, a successful result of that negotiation, then they get the implementation. Yeah, okay, let's start at the beginning. Sorry. So you say there's a need. Who defines the need? Is it the citizen or is it the politician? Well, in, in, in the case of a normal treaty, it's usually the politicians or the governments that do it. With Simpol, we citizens can, can, um, uh, can define it. Because the thing is, is that the kind of policies that, that Simpol would contain are, are the kind of policies that today's national politicians can't even think about because their minds are stuck in this destructive competition uh, sort of parameters, if you like. Give so, me an you know, example of a policy about, that would, uh, you know, that would work, or a, a, a specific example where that process would work. Okay, so the kind of the kind the kind of example I would give. What what would a simultaneous policy look like? So what what I would su suggest you would have a, a a climate agreement, much like the one they're trying to negotiate uh, in in Glasgow. But the important thing is you would on the other side you would also have a global tax raising agreement to tax the super rich or the, the multinational corporations at a much higher level globally. Why? Because then the proceeds from the tax you can use to pay off or compensate the big losers on the climate part of the agreement. Now, this is another key thing about Simpol is that it's a multi-issue negotiating framework. So that what a nation wins on the swing or loses on the swings, it can gain on the roundabout. One of the reasons we don't get any substantive agreement at these bloody COP things is because they're just dealing with one single issue, carbon yes. emissions. And so there is no, there is no possibility of trade-offs. And that's why you don't, you know, the losers, you know, the big emitters have no incentive to cooperate. And, you know, so... Um, the other point about Simpol is that it wouldn't be an agreement about targets. It would be an agree. It would be an agreement about the actual policies that each nation will implement simultaneously to achieve those targets. So that every it will have been pre-negotiated, so that every nation knows precisely what every other nation will be implementing, and that will have been agreed in the negotiation. Right now, you have this negotiation on targets, but because no nation knows what every other nation is going to actually do, everybody's scared of their competitiveness, and so nothing happens. You know, so it's almost like if, if you could design a worse 
way, you can't really, you couldn't really design a worse way of trying to solve climate change than the current COP process, in my view. And, and of course, yes, a multi-issue thing would be more complex, no doubt about it. But, you know, unless you have some kind of trade-off possibility, uh, you know, as a businessman, I just can't see how you're ever going to get a substantive outcome. Okay, so so essentially, what you're sort of saying, you, uh, a couple of things would have to happen. There would be a there, there would be a kind of some kind of summit uh, or some kind of international gathering of of world leaders who would uh, decide on, hey, we have an issue with be it climate change or be it financial regulation, because this is the other thing you're saying. It isn't specifically about climate change. It can be applied to any complex global challenge where you have to have simultaneous policy development and implementation yeah. so it could yeah, be, so, could so be so a whole host of trying, so what we're trying to do nico just to give you the so right now the process of getting citizens and politicians signed up this is like the 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 in principle first step of getting people into the room if you like just in principle you know then when we have enough politicians and government you know political parties and governments that have signed up you know then we will start moving into the negotiating phase and the policy development phase and, uh, but and, right and, now we are we are just trying to get in principle support um, because without that I mean you can't even you won't even very start. true very true I'm just trying to kind of get a sense of the, the the if you like the kind of the the journey that 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 politicians would embark on globally with their you know internationally with their colleagues and of course yeah. what how would citizens you 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 have you've said this repeatedly that there is a that there's a place in this for civil society. How 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 is civil society going to engage with this process more meaningfully than it is today? Yeah. Well, let, let me first say, Nico, that if you go, if if viewers go onto the policy page of our website, there's a download called the information pack, and in the information pack there is a policy development section which will answer that question in in detail. The process that we we see by which <clears throat> citizens in democratic countries can have an input into the policy making, policy development process. So it isn't just decided by their government, that it's actually uh, uh, strongly influenced by citizens with the, with the power of their vote to- This to is what I wanted to get to, because this is the yeah. critical point here, isn't it? Is that at the end of this process, somebody is gonna say, well, this was a successful conclusion and that's why we vote for you. Isn't that right? So there is a real carrot well, stick attached well, yeah, to this well, process. Yeah. I mean, the, th the, th the thing is, is when you, when you when, when a politician or a citizen signs on to simple, you sign on for life. You don't have to re-sign on at every election. Uh, you know, and, and unless you want to cancel, in which case you just send us an email saying I, I'm cancelled. No, nobody ever has, but you know, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a life choice in a sense. And so, um, what we are doing is 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 uh, it it transcends the electoral cycle, so that politicians know that there's this growing block of voters. Every election, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. All the time, it's getting bigger where they know increasingly that their electoral fortunes depend on them signing the simple pledge, right? And then when you get to the point where it's implement, you know, there's this negotiation and implementation, politicians will know that if they don't agree, uh, you know, if they don't reach agreement or if they do reach agreement and uh, for some reason don't implement it, they know that next election, they're dead. 
That that's exactly that's the <laughs> that's the stick I'm talking about. So yeah, exactly. So there is a clear. Right. It's a hard yeah. edge. It's not like well, trust me, and well, if, no, no, if no, I'm no, not no. delivering, no, well, absolutely uh, no. No, I mean we we tell politicians when they sign the pledge, we say we will we will publicize your pledge to to voters, our supporters in your um, constituency, your electoral area. Um, and if you choose for any reason to cancel your pledge, we will also publicize that to all our members in your area. And, you know, if you really want to hang yourself uh, uh, by doing that, <laughs> that's your choice. You know, this is what I mean, Nico, about us citizens. We have the power, with simple, we have the power. So you basically know, what you said is saying, uh, just uh, what you said is saying is as, as, as a voter, as a citizen, I'm not, when I sign up to Simpol, I'm not signing up, I'm not signing up to a specific policy. I'm signing up to a principle. What I'm signing up to is basically, I'm signing up to a, a pledge that goes like this, you know, global decision-making relies on simultaneous policy. Unless we accept that, we're not getting anywhere. The politicians who accept that too are the guys that I'm going to be voting for because well, only that way will be, be giving forward. strong preference to. Okay, this, that's just one important point, Nico. Is that when when citizens sign on to Simpol, they're not they're not signing away their vote. You know, if if, if you it's not saying it's you know what it's saying is as a, as a supporter, I will give strong preference to politicians or parties that have signed the simple pledge you know it's not saying i will give you you know i will vote that way necessarily it's you not know, so automatic it, 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 no it's not automatic so it still gives citizens you know citizens maintain their sovereignty as voters and that's important i think um so but, but what it what it does do because citizens are signing on to the campaign at any time not just at elections but at any time um it means that Politicians know that they are more likely to get the votes of Simpol supporters if they sign the pledge. Okay, and that's that's the point. And so when 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 the election comes, and it's almost a bit like having two votes. You know, when you sign on to Simpol, that's your global vote, and that already puts pressure, even outside of elections, that already puts pressure on your member of parliament or or, or your political party. Uh, to sign the pledge, but then when election day comes around, you get your national vote just like everybody else. And that's right, because I think that's right. That's a really all, important so point. Although you will be more likely to vote for uh, candidates that have signed the simple pledge, you are not, uh, you know, you are not bound to do so. So this is a really important point because, of course, and this is like is sort of inherent in the system itself, or in the kind of in, in yeah in, in in the structure of the thing. So local or national decision making will never carry a simple kind of if you like mandate because for simple to actually kick in you need a global consensus you need it's only it's only so you're sheltered at a, at a local or national level simple won't interfere with any political decision that you know that concerns the sort of the sovereign aspect of of, of your vote um it's yeah. only in the kind of in the global environment and it's interesting i mean because the global environment in the past in elections also plays has played um instead of a in fact international politics uh sort of foreign policy in general has played a minor role in elections and in fact it tends to be the kind of the nice job to have like foreign secretary 
you know, compare that with home secretary, you're constantly in the firing line yeah. because everything goes wrong. Your home secretary, I mean, nobody ever sees you. You just go yeah. around in, in chats and have a yeah. good life. But I think, and this I think will obviously make the life of foreign secretaries and, you know, foreign ministers much more demanding because all of a sudden they carry a mandate. Yes, yes. And I think, I think though, you know, as, as globalization is developing and we're seeing this also now with COVID, you know, more and more we are going to be hit by global challenges. Uh, because we don't have global governor, a global governance system such as Simple, and and that's why I think the um, you know the uh, foreign issues or international issues are going to be increasingly important in elections, right? And and so um, you know because these things are just these international global issues are just hitting us one after another now. And so I think that's where Simpol will have an, an increasing power. Um, but although I, you know, although I, I'd just like to say one thing, although, although I've sort of pointed out the, the enormous power it gives citizens to drive politicians to sign the pledge, what we find actually is many, many politicians uh, just sign it anyway because they think it's a great idea. You know, they are, they, and even some politicians thank us. They say, well, thank you for developing a, a solution which solves this destructive competition dilemma that we're caught in, you know. Um, so I think we find, we find that politicians are actually generally uh, quite supportive of Simpol when they, once we get to, to talk to them about it. So, um, so okay, what we so need is citizens to get the message. That's right. So, so just as a summarize to where we've got now, so basically you're sort of saying the first, the first sort of stage of the kind of of the development of simple was you reaching out to NGOs that didn't really go somewhere. Then you just said, well, we have to sort of to, to use a kind of an old fashioned word by now, disintermediate. We have to go directly to the people who actually have to make decisions. We can't go via the kind of NGOs who have a lobbying role to play as well. So you went directly to politicians. What is your scaling mechanism for this and how far have you got? I mean, I, I believe yeah. I read on your website something that you are in 100 countries. That's quite a success. Well, we, we have, well, we have, yeah, we have supporters in about 100 or more countries. We have active campaigns in about 10 or 12 countries. And we have members of parliament signed up <coughs> in about seven or eight parliaments around the world. So in the UK, we already have over 100 members of parliament from, from and they come from all the different parties who have signed the pledge. In, in Germany, we've got about 40 in, in, you know, in Ireland, we have about 15. So it's, it's gradually growing in Denmark. We have one or two in Australia, we have a four or five. So it's, it's, it's beginning to, to, to develop. It's beginning. Um, and, and of course, you know, all the parties in these countries have their global networks. So you've got global conservative networks, global liberal networks, global sort of labor or social democratic networks. Yeah. And they, of course, you know, they are potentially good distribution channels for ideas and, and, and yes. the like. So it's going to spread yeah. out from there. So what is, uh, what, what is the next step now moving from here? Is it a question of more of the same or what is your next big hurdle well we we really need <coughs> we need i mean the big hurdle is is conscious is what i call this consciousness is people moving from a, a nation-centric understanding of the world to a world-centric understanding of the world because only when you have a world-centric understanding of the world will you even understand the dynamics of destructive global competition 
if you just have a national kind of view of the world or even local, you won't even see it. You know, you, you won't understand Simplot. So, you know, there's a, there's a kind of consciousness issue. Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to do more of the same. We're hoping, I think, I think what, what I see happening COP process, and it will keep on failing. It will keep on, you know, it will keep on uh, being too little too late. And eventually politicians will realize that they need an alternative. And I think when that happens, we're going to see more of them signing on to Simple, and hopefully then we will see more citizens coming, more NGOs beginning to realize that Simple, I think things could really develop quite quickly. But we're not, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So I hope uh, your viewers will, will definitely want to... Um, to find out more and and to uh, to get involved. One thing that I always find really uh, really interesting and also I think really quite important for anybody out there who is sort of trying to bring about change him or herself, uh, and that's that's this whole thing. It's the sort of you know um, you, you know when, when you have this idea when your mum asks you well what about you know how what would you about climate change? This is like one man you know. Uh, in his, you know, at his kitchen table with his family, um, sort of having this sort of eureka moment. Um, and that's where a very long journey begins. I mean, you know, you've been like on this for 20 years and in, in, in my opinion, you have achieved an awful lot, but of course, as you said, you're, you know, there's still a massive mountain to climb. H how do you do this? I mean, what are the kind of, the human cost, if you like, uh, for somebody like yourself, because as you said, you you know you're a businessman too. You've you know you've got family commitments. You've got all this other stuff going on in your life, and you need to make space for this. And presumably, you haven't made any money out of this. So no. how do you how do you do it? I mean, what, what what is your advice to other people kind of setting out on a journey like yours? Well, it's, for me, it's just conviction and the you know the the. Um, also, the evidence, you know, I mean, on, on one hand, Nico, I wake up every morning and I sort of think, why are you doing this, John? You know, it's, 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 it's you know, it's such an impossible task. You know, why, why, why do you do this? Why do I do this to myself? You know, but then, you know, I switch on the news and I hear the evidence of failure of the current system. And then I look around and, and I see, well, is, can I see any other process or plan that makes more sense than simple and I can't and so I keep going <laughs> I just keep going keep going keep going and you know the more time goes on <laughs> the, I mean it's 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 like a it's like going through a desert somehow somehow you know you are most of the time you're going through this barren landscape but then every so often you you hit an oasis where you get politicians signing up or you get a really good result. Like, I mean, we just had the German election and we got a big increase in the number of um, uh, MDBs who, uh, MPs, uh, German MPs who signed up. You know, so there are those moments of, of, uh, of joy and yes, you know, we're on the right track. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's um, it, you know, above all, this is about a change of consciousness. It's a, it's a different way of thinking. 
you know, for the last four or 500 years we've, in the West, we've all been inculcated with the idea of the nation state and, and the power of the nation. And, you know, we see this every day in football, international football matches or cricket or whatever it may be. Um, but actually, we're now living in a globalized world. Um, and that's a big mind shift for people, not, not only for politicians, but for citizens. And so I think the, the important thing about Simpol, the other point I wanted to make, Nico, is that Simpol only deals with policies that cannot be implemented by individual nations alone. Because those policies, policies that can be implemented by individual nations, those are national policies. So they, they are within the national sovereignty area. The policies that nations can only be under simple with, you know, with policies, the policies where, which are suffering from this first mover competitive disadvantage. And those, so only those policies uh, are, would be admitted into the simple process. And that actually is protected on both counts, because it means that, that, that we don't encroach on national self-determination for those issues that nations can deal with alone. But we also offer a process to nations to allow them to deal with the other kind of problem that they can't deal with alone. Mm -hmm. And in that way, they win, win both sides. So actually, simple in a funny way, enhances national sovereignty because it, it, it brings the power of the nation states up to the global level, provided they work together, right? That makes, that makes perfect sense, uh, John. Um, now, um, at the moment, COP26 is unfolding in Glasgow, um, and um, and the world's kind of eyes are on Glasgow, and uh, a lot of people, um, the young, but not just the young, um, are really hoping for some results. And indeed, there have been one or two smallish promises uh, already coming out, and that's good, but of course, in the bigger picture, it's if it's really about averting climate catastrophe, it's it's clearly not enough. And, and we hear these noises on the sidelines already, the NGOs are piping up. Um, and of course, if we fast forward six months, we probably find we could literally kind of have the same conversation, presumably in six months. I mean, they, as you said, I mean, we started to kind of recognize climate change scientifically as a problem in the early 1980s. Uh, in fact, you know, you know, probably even slightly earlier. And, you know, and, and we've had ample opportunities to do things. But as you said, for very obvious reasons, competitive reasons and all the rest, uh, little has happened. And there is absolutely no indication that this should change unless sort of a simple like methodology is, is, is adopted. Um, I mean, if, if, if we were to kind of say, well, let's talk again in six months time, um, what, you know, you know, what would we be looking at? I mean, how, what kind of progress would we be expecting, say on the simple front, but also in relation to, you know, sort of society or civil society or the world at large? Um, well, I think on the, on the simple front, <coughs> um, 
in six months. I mean, we actually, I mean, we tend to make the most progress at election times because that's when politicians are most sensitive to what we have to say. Um, but I don't think there are any major elections coming up in the next well, six months. Well, except the French so, elections. Yeah, the oh, presidential the elections, elections yeah. in France next well, year. I mean, France actually is one country where we are really looking for, for some help. Um, so um, if, if someone would, if, someone, if you have any French viewers, uh, we'd be delighted to hear from you to, to see if we can make an impact uh, at the French elections. Um, but so I, 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 you know, we're going to do more of that. I think you'll see more of the same on the simple front. But I think on the on the international affairs front, you know, I think that we're going to see, you know, that the COP26 was was too little, too late, the usual story. And I think, you know, we in certainly intend to write to MPs around the world, whether they are simple pledged MPs or not, to say, guys, how much longer, you know, the emperor has no clothes. You know, you guys following this COP process alone, you are looking increasingly empty-handed. You know, you would be benefiting if you showed that you were supporting COP, but you were also supporting Simple, so that you showed that you had more ideas rather than just this same old horse that they keep on flogging and, and you know. So we, we, we are hoping that with that kind of pressure and, and information that we can gradually bring more and more politicians and citizens to sort of hear what we are saying. And, and you know, ultimately uh, it, it's, it's also a very, um, forgiving message, I would say. It's saying, it's not saying, you know, unlike, unlike all these NGOs that are saying, oh, well, we're the good guys and politicians and corporations are the bad guys and the evil bastards. You know, what Sempol is saying, look, yeah, there's some evil bastards, we, we know that. But generally speaking, we are all caught in this system at one level or another. And the, the sooner we stop blaming and shaming each other and start working together with a through a process like simple the sooner we're going to solve these problems you know so one 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 kind of i mean I, one thing that's kind of been sort of like i've been mulling over thinking is if if there was one platform um or one personality or one you know um that um who would that that could make a significant difference to the progress of of, of Simpol? Do you have any idea if if you were you know if if somebody would say, well, tell me one person or one you know organization well, you can pitch to? Who would that be? Well, I, I have a letter. I have a letter actually upstairs in my study from uh, Sir David Attenborough, who I wrote to uh, just um, a few days ago and sent him a copy of my my book, uh, Simpol Solution. And he wrote back saying that he, he, he it looked very interesting and he would be giving it a, a careful read. So if he got behind it, I think that would be one, one very good uh, ambassador you know, for the idea. One platform that comes to mind where I think this particular approach would sit really comfortably. Uh, and that's the World Economic Forum and Charles Schwab, you know, the, uh, the founder and, and, and yeah. chairman. Um, you, know, you know, if you were able to pitch... Uh, like in Davos in February, I would, love would that to, be something Nico, you I would, would love to? Uh, trouble is, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't have a, you know, the, the guys like Klaus Schwab have have an army of secretaries to 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 protect him against people like me. Okay. <laughs> so, so you know, I, the, my, my, our problem is is how do we, how can we get the idea? How can we get the opportunity 
to present to the World Economic Forum, for example, uh, or, or to any of these kind of fora. And that, that, that also is, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, we just, we just haven't got through the, the glass ceiling yet. Okay. So our, our profile is still not yet high enough to, 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 to allow us to have those opportunities. But okay. I think if so this we is definitely something opportunities, we, we I, would, you know, we yeah. have a good chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, within the kind of the reboot kind of uh, 2030 family, they are like, you know, like a couple of so-called young global leaders who are basically, you know, Schwab prodigies um, and who have come through the kind of economic, for, social, like what economic forum kind of um, process. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows uh, if somebody watches this and uh, because I think, uh, a, I mean, obviously you, you're a successful businessman, uh, have been all your life. This is a clear, like sort of a, a business approach to uh, improving the world. I mean, it fits in terms of profile. It fits 100% in, 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 into that, onto that platform. And surely it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's something of its time. So I think it's worth kind of trying to think about pitching, pitching, pitching to them. Oh, yeah. No, and, I mean, uh, Nico, if, if we, you know, if, if I can get a, a, an invitation, I, I'd, I'd be delighted to pitch to anyone, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the problem is how, to, is how to get that invitation. Absolutely. Uh, listen, this has been really interesting. So I think what we, um, what we should do is, is we should possibly kind of think of having another another meeting in about, you know, you know, four to six months time um, and, and see, I mean, you know, you know, obviously, you know, there may, well, I don't know, you know, we never, you never know your luck, but, you know, there are fringe events as well in Davos. I mean, you don't necessarily end up on the main stage on, on your first visit, uh, but, you know, but, but there are fringe events and, and there are sort of, you know, yeah. platforms where it's easy to get onto, I suppose, but you yeah. should really, I think you should look into this and you should explore this and maybe not aim for the main stage, uh, initially, but but no, 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 no. no. I mean, any just being in one of the French events would be fine. You know, that would be would be more than more than good. Um, and you know, I, I'll have a look. I'll have a Definitely. look. Definitely. Um, so so well, well, let's let's think about but, getting... but Nico. If you if you have people involved in reboot who know the process or know people or know who we should write to, uh, if you can give me any help with that, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. I, I have that in mind. I, I keep that in mind. Thank I can't you. make any promises because you no, know no, I sure. might just yeah. be told you know to go away and how dare <laughs> me you know to even suggest it. So I can't I can't make promises. But of course I, I I wouldn't have brought it up if if I didn't have that thought in the back of my mind. Okay. Um. So 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 I, I think you know in, in a way. Um. I, I think the things that that that. that interest me is is what could the journey look like over the next six months i mean you sort of saying um it, you know france it would be an interesting you know like country to get a sort of a toehold in there's a french election coming up macron is under enormous pressure from the far right as, as we all know um and so and you know angela merkel hasn't been too kind to him i mean he's been a great you know he's put forward a great many reform proposals every single one of which has been turned down by angela merkel and it left him with a lot of eggs in his face. You know, he didn't. It didn't make him look good at all. And of course, he's very quite vulnerable because of it uh, uh, politically. So I, I think you know, like anything that can help him to reestablish. And then of course the Australia uh, uh, thing. You know, that didn't help. And there's there's a lot of stuff. Where like 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 in the foreign policy domain, uh, Macron hasn't been as successful 
as he would have liked to be. Also, given the fact that he is very much a foreign policy type, he's always been very interested in, yeah. you know, European affairs, very interested in global affairs, and he hasn't had the breaks that he really, in my view, deserves. So it would be interesting to to see, you know, yeah. whether you know whether there's a way of kind I mean, of pitching it there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think all politicians, uh, all all the mainstream politicians, whether centre right or centre left, are struggling these days because of destructive global competition, which forces them into this, you know, this this straitjacket where voters start feeling, well, whoever I vote for, we still get the same thing, pretty much. And so I think that's why voters, you know, are moving to the extremes. Um, but of course, the extremes have no real solutions either, because the problem isn't at the national level, it's at the global level, you know, and, and so I think that, you know, if, if, given the chance, I think um, someone like Macron um, would, would understand that very well and would, would, would at least see the principle of St. Paul as something that, that, well, I wouldn't say he'll support it, but he might at least find it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there may well be other people within his party who are, you know, have, you know, are, are more focused solely on foreign policy who, who yeah. you know, uh, right. might be able to kind of, uh, to, to give it greater thought. Um, so, 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 I mean, I think that's, I mean, what, what I find interesting and what interests me in terms of like Reboot 2030 as well is to sort of, um, to, to, to follow people like you over, over a longer period of time to see how, uh, how things develop and what we can learn from both the success and the failures from the, you know, from the analysis and the, from, from the thought processes uh, uh, along the way. So um, if you were to kind of sort of think aloud about a roadmap ahead for the next six months, uh, for simple, I mean, you sort of say more of the same, but there's specific things that might be interesting. One might be to get onto big platforms like DeVos, but others yeah. might be to kind of to break into the kind of the, the, the French market, if you like, uh, or yeah. into indeed, like, I, I think Italy would also be quite interesting to expand there because again, they have a uh, major sort of far right issue. Yeah, sorry, you froze for just a moment there, Nico, sorry. Oh, so so um, in a way, you know, like there's other European countries that obviously would also potentially benefit from it. And I was specifically thinking also of Italy, uh, um, because, you know, again, it's quite a it's it's quite a politically volatile um, country. Uh, and simple could bring stability or some stability uh, to it. Um, and and I of think course, it was, we, we could bring understanding. We could bring understanding because I think, you know, obviously until uh, Simple actually gets implemented, you know, nothing, nothing much will change. But I think at least with the we, we can bring understanding to both right and left as to why things are the way they are, why they're so polarized. And I think that that is almost the biggest contribution I think Simple, or, or a very big contribution that Simple could make. Because I think when you understand the way globalization and destructive global competition works you see how that is driving this, this polarization. Uh, and, and that is driving these, the, you know, you, you know it, it's no accident that you're seeing the far right uh, coming up, not just in one or two countries, but right across the Western world. Uh, and that should tell us that it, because it's happening simultaneously across countries, it's a global problem, hello? <laughs> you know, the source is coming from up there at the global level, it's not really down here at the national level. And but until people understand how and why that's happening, 
And I think that that's where my book, I think, would help people. Um, then I think people see the world, start to see the world in a completely different way. And they can understand why. You want to hold up your, big for, your book for one second that people can yeah, see so that, it? That's the, the UK version, The Simple Solution. The Simple Solution. And uh, you get it on Amazon German or where would you get it? There's a uh, German one. It's Nationales Denken Globale Krise. Okay. And then there's a Dutch one. I don't speak Dutch, Nico, so you can do that. <laughs> Excellent. The is simple. That's right. Brilliant. Okay, so um, just um, how you, you you have these you have this different is, is it chapters that you have in each country where you're active or how yeah. does it how is it how is it organized? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So <clears throat> when we when when if uh, supporters sign on and they want to do more than just you know sign on and 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 contact their MP. If they want to actually get involved in organizing and developing the campaign, they might become the national coordinator or, or join the, the sort of management group in their country um, to, 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 to take this forward in, in, in their country in a more concerted way. And so we have the global Simpol website, but we also have national websites because the, the, the Simpol process can be adapted somewhat depending on the different electoral processes in each country. And I think the fact that we have MPs in the UK, which has a, a first past the post system, but we also have them in Germany, which has a completely different proportional system, shows that the simple process is adaptable across different electoral systems. As a um, matter of interest, are you in the US at all? Uh, well, we've got supporters in the US, we have a coordinator in the US, but that's a tough, that is a tough market. We, we don't think the US will be, you know, in the first rank of, of uh, governments to support Simpon. So I think this is something start first in the European countries, you know, then it will maybe spread out to, to the US and, and other democratic countries. And then eventually, I think if, if the process becomes more, more known, and if the UN process continues to fail, I think, you know, non-democratic countries will also start to join the process voluntarily because, you know, they need solutions to global problems too. Um, and so, you know, who knows what will happen? We, we I mean, my know. sense is that, you know, the, the, the more powerful the country, uh, the, the less they would rely on, on a simple type methodology. So the US who perceives itself as a global leader or the, the sort of the sort of sole global superpower clearly doesn't necessarily perceive the well, need to well, have Nico, that. Nico, that's true. That is true. But remember the presidential election of 2000 and also the recent one, these elections are being won and lost on very fine margins. Now, if you imagine if we had five, 10,000 Simpol supporters in Florida and in the other key US states saying, we'll vote Republican or Democrat, we don't particularly mind, whichever signs up to Simpol uh, is more likely to get our vote. You know, we, we, could, we, could, you know, we could intervene in that very finely balanced uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, seesaw quite powerfully with relatively few people. That's yeah. the potential power of simple. That that is that that is very true. That is very true. Um, but but yeah, the incentive, of course, then becomes a sort of electoralist incentive at the at the national level. Globally, presumably, if if you're the US 
or say like on the other end of the scale, if you're China, um, then you probably don't perceive a need uh, uh, to, to to do that. I mean, I'm thinking about no, no, small, like say, small no, island states who will vanish in the power. next 50 years because the sea levels rise. They will yeah. have a huge incentive, of course, to join one day. Well, well, yeah, no, but on the one hand, you know, if, if Simpol gains citizen support, we could drive even uh, countries like the US towards uh, the other aspect we have to remember is evolution itself. You know, the, the global problems, you know, and the water level of global problems is rising and rising and rising. And the higher it rises, the more pressure there is for nations to cooperate. So a nation like, I don't know, maybe China or the US that we today see as being, no, they, they would not support this. Tomorrow, when the water's up here, you may find that they're singing a very different story because their, their survival will ultimately depend on cooperation. All of our survival will depend on cooperation at the global level in the end. Yeah, and of course, the other aspect is, is that within the kind of the simple family, uh, of, of nations um, or global politicians, um, there, there will still be elbows. There will still be, you know, more persuasive, you know, you know uh, actors and less persuasive actors. And there will still be horse trading going on because a consensus oh, yeah. has to be found. So, you know, in, in a way, the, the backroom dealing isn't going to stop there. But what it does do, it kind of provides a structure for that backroom dealing to, to lead into a process um, that kind of, you know, creates a sort of a manageable uh, 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 situation at a global level. So, you know, yeah, a US or a China would still have significantly more scope to, to tweak a kind of a consensus building process in their interest. Uh, than, than a small nation state, I believe, no? Well, well that, that's, that's true. <clears throat> However, you know, there are more and more problems that even the, the most powerful nations won't be able to control because even if there are some smaller nations that, that don't participate, they might offer businesses a better deal to, to come and locate there, you know, so... You know what I mean? I mean, I think I think in the end we will reach a situation where, um, and this is I think where the evolutionary um, biology comes into it. You know, uh, you, you know why why do we have nation states today? We have nation states because uh, the the individual lender, like in Germany or the the sub counties of nations, competition and and the, the water level got so high that they had to cooperate to become nation states. And now we are today at the next level of that story where, you know, with climate change and COVID and all of these global issues, you know, nations are, are beginning to learn that you know, like the, the different sub-states of Germany or the UK or Italy, that only together can we change our world. Excellent, I think this is a very good point uh, uh, to stop. Um, John, can you give us once more you uh, the, the the website address for Simpol? Yeah. I mean, it's yes, obviously it's also on, on the YouTube uh, site and on our website, but just for the few to have yeah. it now. Yeah, so it's Simpol. If you go to Simpol, S-I-M-E-O-L, so it's short for Simultaneous Policy, Simpol.org, and you'll find everything there. Um, <clears throat> you'll also find um, all the different national 
um, websites and contacts. And like I said, if there's a country that, that doesn't have a campaign running, and if, if you're interested or, or a, a, one of our list, your listeners is interested in, in getting involved and starting one, I'd be delighted to hear from them. And I think it's worth saying that you're still at a sort of at a stage in your evolution where you're highly responsive to you know inquiries. So when people For do sure. get in touch, they they're kind of guaranteed a friendly and swift oh, reply. Definitely. definitely, yeah, yeah. Excellent, John. Thank you very much. We had slight problems, I think, you know, throughout, uh, you know, with the kind of the quality of, uh, of of your connection. But I was kind of monitoring it and except for a very few moments, you know, certainly your voice was quite clear. Uh, sometimes your image froze, um, but um, I think we got really the vast budget of it we got. Good. Um, yeah, well, I, I had to use my uh, mobile hotspot for this because my, my normal Wi-Fi is it's still out. So um, I think we, we did quite well in the circumstances. I think we did. John, thank you very much. It's been a real Nico, pleasure. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. And, and uh, let's keep in touch. Let's keep in touch and maybe think about another, like a sort of a continuation of this conversation about four to six months' time. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted. Thanks very much. Have a good evening, yeah? You take care. Bye-bye.